Welcome to the podcast that demands ambition, passion, and courage in order to succeed in this mission called life. All you have to do is just pass your limit. Go beyond your restraints by embracing the physical, intellectual, and emotional suck that life will throw at you. I'm your host, Ugo. I do not claim to be the subject matter expert, but I will share my experiences and I'll ask my guests to do the same. The discussions will be guided by honesty and civility. Some episodes will have guests, but most of them will be me and you. No excuses accepted here, people. None. I'm excited to get after it. So without further ado, let's go. Four coordinated attacks, terrorist attacks, by the Islamic group, terrorist group known as Al-Qaeda against the United States of America on the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, killed 2,996 people, injured over 6,000 people, and caused at least $10 billion in infrastructure and property damage. Additional people have died from 9-11 as a result of exposure to asbestos, uh, silica. Um, The first responders, that came to respond, they all, well, exposed themselves to it. Then the latency period for exposure through to inhalation hazards like that created mesothelioma, um, other, other forms of cancer. One of those first responders is um, a man by the name of Downey. He was a firefighter, a New York, New York City firefighter. And I, I had the pleasure of training at a facility named after him. It's called the Downey Training Facility in um, Indian Head, Maryland. There's a lot of memorabilia from, uh, from him, from uh, the fire department. And it's always, it touched me when I was walking through and training in that building about the sacrifice that him and his fellow first responders gave on that day sacrifice that the American citizens gave on that day. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their job. Most of them were not politicians, but they gave their lives on that day without knowing what was coming. It happened in four places, like I said earlier. The World Trade Center is um, the most famous attack of the four. It was uh, American Airlines 11 and UA-175. Then the second location was the Pentagon in D.C. That was American Airlines 77. Then two others failed. One was supposed to be headed for the White House, the other for the U.S. Capitol. Um. Well, I guess UA-93 was headed to either the White House or U.S. Capitol. We'll never know because the men and women on that flight stood up, stood up and fought the terrorists. And as a result, the scared terrorists crashed the plane in Pennsylvania. To tell you how much of a 
badass as they are. They're not. They're weak. So I have to reflect on this day because it means a lot to me. And why does it mean a lot to me? I'm an immigrant, born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. Why do I care about attacks on America? Well, I, I arrived in the United States of America a week before the 9-11 attacks. I was in Savannah State University in my dorm room, just starting my freshman year at uh, SSU, Savannah State University. I turned on the television and I could not believe my eyes. It played out like a movie, watching those aircrafts fly into the buildings. So after the fact, I wanted to do something. I felt like I should do something. But what could I do? I wasn't an American citizen. But I wanted to be part of the response. Try to join the military, but to let me know that I was just on a student visa getting my getting my undergraduate degree. So the thing about 9-11 is it birthed the greatest generation known to man ever, in my opinion. The greatest generation to ever live. Because most people don't talk about September 14th, 2001. September 14, 2001 is when you, the U.S. Congress passed the authorization for use of military force against terrorists. That authorization is still in effect today. I mean, when that thing was passed years ago, presumably everyone must have thought this would be a short war. But no. It evolved from a fight against Al-Qaeda to a conflict with the Taliban and the Haqqani network. Then it, then it moved over to Africa. You have Al-Qaeda, Eastern Africa. You have Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghrib. You have groups like Boko Haram Giving, claiming allegiance to um, Al-Qaeda. Then Al-Qaeda in Iraq morphing into what we know as ISIS now. This is all the continuum. It started with the attack in 2001. And let's not forget the USS Cole that happened as well prior to September 1. 2011. These people were at war with us. They want us dead. And when I say these people, I mean the terrorists. 
I mean, USS Cole bombing happened on the 12th of October, 2000. First time we were attacked leading up to this. When I say first time, I mean first time related to the 9-11 attacks. So Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda attacking us. I mean, USS Cole had casualties of 17. I believe that it was a boat and the two people that with the VBID, the vehicle-borne improvised explosive device was on the boat and they essentially rode it straight into the ship, killing 17 people plus themselves, including themselves, and injuring about 39. That's... That's what that's what we're facing, and that's what the new that's what this generation is facing. I've met a couple young Marines and sailors that were born after two thousand and one, serving now. All they've known is war. This again is America's longest war, but no one is put, putting up their hand and saying we're done. No military member is doing that. Everybody that I've met in the military still wants to give all they can to protect this great nation. So going back to me as an immigrant, why do I love this country so much? Well, it's a good thing you asked. I'll tell you right now. I love this country because it's given me an opportunity to succeed. I love this country because it doesn't care what I look like or how I speak when it comes to performance. I hear the rhetoric. A lot of people say racism is at an all-time high. It might be. I agree. I agree. But at the same time, just because somebody doesn't look like me doesn't mean they're racist. My own personal life, I'm pro-black. I want the black community to be better. But it's, at the same time, I'm not anti-white. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. And what I see now is a lot of people in the black community conflate the two. Some people are so into being pro-black and capitalizing off of sharing the videos on the internet or making t-shirts that anything that happened anything that happens or any accomplishment accomplishment by a white person is looked down on that's bad that's tribalism We have to be very careful of separating ourselves based on ideology. Be it liberal, conservative, you got to go America first. This country was built by immigrants. And I ask the black people, what would your ancestors say? 
Would they be proud? My answer is yes. But they're small pockets. Small pockets of people that engage in a very dangerous rhetoric. And I see the same thing on the faces of some Caucasians. I have no problem with somebody being pro-white. I do have a problem with someone being anti-black. Me, I'm a menace to supremacy in any form. I do not want to see white supremacy. I do not want to see black supremacy. And let me rewind back to Nigeria. 1967, the Biafran War was fought. My dad fought in that war. There was a day he was resting against a tree. Then he decided to get up and walk around. Another soldier sat down and rested against that same tree. That same spot my dad was resting a couple minutes prior to. He was shot in the head by a sniper, killed. Had that been my dad, my story ends there. I talk about that war because it's, it was all Nigerians. However, on one side, you have the Igbos led by Ujuku. And not to go into too much with that war, Igbos wanted to leave because Igbos did not feel like they had a fair shot in Nigeria. But Nigeria would not let Igbos and Igbo land leave because, amongst other things, Igbo land is rich in oil. But I digress. I say all that to let you know that there's so many complexities and different facets of rancor amongst people. But the way to move ahead is to find a greater good. Something that we all can pull together and say is bigger than all of us. And that's country. And that's family. Bring it back to America. There has never been a greater nation than the United States of America. It's an honor to serve. I wake up in the morning and I look at the cloth in which I wear. It says United States Navy on it. I'm filled with pride and joy. I've had the privilege of serving as an airman in the United States Air Force. I still have that uniform. I look at it with pride. I look back at my days at the first fighting wing with F-22s and watching men and women serve with great pride. That's amazing. I think about my army days when I served. And it just amazes me what I saw. People putting out every day for something bigger than themselves. Fast forward to my time in the Navy. It's amazing what people do. 
I've served at sea. Day in, day out, men and women risking their lives for this great nation. And now I'm serving with Marines. And they do the same thing. They're always faithful. Semper Fidelis. On the Navy side, we say Semper Fortis. Always strong. My civilian listeners may not understand what I'm rambling about right now, but it comes down to one thing. Pride. Pride in nation. Pride in family. When the wolf steps up to the plate to fight, who is going to curtail the wolf and protect the sheep? See, on 9-11, that day, the wolf came, attacked those buildings, and the sheep were falling from the buildings, running out of the buildings, running away from the smoke. Then you look closer and you see the sheepdogs, the firefighters, the police officers, the first responders. They were going towards the fire to help. Those were Americans. That's what America's all about. I've never seen that in Nigeria, ever. That's why I love America so much. The valor people are willing to show here is amazing to me. The valor, first responders and military members show day in, day out. It's amazing to me. Again, I meet men and women that want that fight. Just three days ago, four days ago, I was talking to a Marine, checking out of my unit. He's going to an infantry unit called 3-1. 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines. It's an infantry unit. He was excited. And I asked him why. He said because he has a chance to go to war. He heard they may be going to Afghanistan. And he hopes to get in the thick of it. I didn't even ask him why he had that in his mind. Why? Why? I could see the fire in his eyes. All I asked him was, how old are you, young man? He said, sir, I'm 19. And I can't wait to get after it for God and country. Wow. And he was serious. So the remnants of September 11, 2001, reverb across decades now. That day was a dark day. But a lot of positives come from it. We have a generation of warriors. And even though we're still fighting this issue, we will win. We still have military members dying, too many to name. Too many to name. Even some have had movies made about them. People do the MRF now as CrossFit training. 
dedicated to Lieutenant Michael Murphy and those that died on that ridge in 2005. It was him, it was Danny Dietz, it was uh, Axel. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Lone Survivor. But it goes beyond that. There's so many members that have sacrificed their lives so we may live in happiness. And this is not too removed. August 29th, 2019, just last week, we lost Sergeant First Class Dustin Art. I mean, I haven't been saying his last name right, but that's a warrior. He died in Zabo province, Afghanistan last week. He was assigned to 2nd Battalion, 1st Special Forces Group. He was a Green Beret. He gave his life so we may live. That man had a wife and a three-year-old daughter. But he did what he had to do for this country. So I think it's important that we celebrate those that have fought, those that continue to fight, and never forget the sheepdogs that have died. Never forget the sheepdogs that are willing and training right now to protect us. We owe them that much. It's not about donating money. But speaking of donating money, if you're looking for something to do, instead of buying something expensive, how about you take that money and put it in a foundation, the Navy SEAL Foundation, or the Purple Heart, or something. Support the warfighter. I'm very passionate about the warfighter. Because that's a different breed of individual. And it's not gender specific. Women and men have given their all. So my question to you is, what's your story for 9-11? Are you that person that all you do is complain about how America is and how good America could be? Can America be better? Of course. But I'll argue there's never been a better time to live in this country. Are there racists out there? Yes. Has this country been wrong to a lot of group of individuals, like a lot of minorities? Yes. Did black service members in World War I come back and have to avoid being hung? By racists? Yes. Did some of them get killed? Yes. Things have happened. America has a dark side. But for us to get better, we have to overcome hard. A lot of people talk about the Spartans and the Spartan 300. 
for my 300 endured the Tuskegee syphilis um, study. So they were intentionally given syphilis, right? And when a cure was developed, they weren't given the cure. Those were all black men and women. Those were my heroes. They endured that so I could have an opportunity to be an officer in the military today. It was so bad that in 1997, President Clinton had to apologize on behalf of the nation for what was done during the Tuskegee syphilis um, experiment. In 1974, a $10 million settlement agreement was reached. What is $10 million going to do for those people and their generation? But that's ill that was done to black folks. But what is our choice now? Dwell on what happened? On slavery and all those things that happened and the remnants of how it, it has trickled down from ancestors to descendants, broken down families and the drug wars. It's a plethora of things we could hop on. But the choice now is, do we keep complaining? Or do, do we just ensure that those things never happen again? Action. Take action so it never happens again. But at the same time, don't lose sight of this great nation. Because where I'm from, black people kill black people at an, an alarming rate. Security forces, policemen, who will shoot you and rob you. If we're talking about police br brutality, try living in Nigeria, where I'm from, in Lagos City. See what the police do. But again, I digress. I'm saying, back to my question. What is your story after 9-11? What have you done for this country? Are you living on the backs of your ancestors? Or are you carrying your own weight and setting a benchmark so your kids can take it and run? Do you feel entitled? Does this country owe you something? Be you white, black, Latino, Asian? Does this country owe you something? Do you feel entitled to a position? Or do you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself? You're currently living with the greatest generation ever. Still at war in Afghanistan. Still fighting in Iraq. Fighting in Syria. Fighting in a plethora of other places. Are you stuck on pointing out insecurities in others? Faults in others? Or are you going to bring something to the table? JFK said it best. Ask not what your country could do for you. Ask what you could do for your country.
And those words are very powerful and have always resonated with me. So, let me impart something on you. Instead of complaining all the time, how about you find somebody and uplift them? Instead of putting your hand out and asking for something, how about you intentionally give somebody something? Instead of laughing at somebody else's expense, how about you defend somebody that's being laughed at? Why don't you just wake up one morning and decide, I want to be better than yesterday. I'm not perfect. I have a lot of flaws. But I'm beyond driven, service-minded. I love this country. I'll always love this country. And I'll never forget September 11th, 2001. Will you? Are you so stuck on what's good for you that you have forgotten the sacrifices others have done so you may live? Not even that far removed from sacrifice, still happening. Attack in Kabul two days ago took the life of another American service member. Still hasn't been released. The name of that service member still has not been released. So, how do you remember September 11th and the service members and the civilians that died on that day? And those that continue to die today? Not just military members, civilians, like I talked about with the exposure to inhalation hazards at ground zero. What are you going to do? This is my call to action. I believe we have to be better within us first. After we're good within, with self-accountability, then we can start trying to hold others accountable in private, not in public. Then after that, move to your community. You think it's impossible? But I really believe one man or woman can change the world. I really believe that. See, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can't, it's almost a cinch you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost. For out in the world, we find success begins with a fellow's will. 
It's all a state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You have to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win the prize. Life's battles does not always go all the time to the stronger person, to the stronger man, to the stronger woman. But sooner or later, the man who wins or the woman who wins is the man or woman who thinks she can. It's a mindset. Don't defeat yourself. Keep working hard. And join any problem you see. Join the problem and change it from within. Be better than yesterday. And like my ethos says, daily self-evaluation for a better tomorrow. Evaluate yourself. Fix your issues. Get better and push. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just asking you to do something. Join the greatest generation ever to live. Stop complaining. Stop dividing. Unite. Inspire. Motivate. And be great. September 11th, 2001 is a day that should never be forgotten. And to all the service members that raised their right hand and took the oath, I say thank you. People that raised their hand and said their name, I state your name, do solemnly, solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And I'll bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That's the oath. I could go on about that oath and say the whole thing for enlisted men and women because I took that oath. But some people may not understand it because they're not in the military. But those words mean a lot to me. You know what? Let me recite my oath that I took when I enlisted. I, Ugo, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and I will be the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me. According to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. Still haven't forgotten it. And a lot of men and women have lived it, have died. To the Gold Star families, the Gold Star family is family that has lost a service member 
I say thank you for your sacrifice. It's important that we honor, honor people like this, honor the members, honor the family members that support them because it takes a village. Service members don't serve alone. I mean, in 2015, there was a reported total of over 1 million family members who served alongside their act active duty service members. Of that number, there were over another million children and 641,000 spouses. That's crazy, man. So we talk about the, the Gold Star family. Have you heard about the Blue Star family? A Blue Star family consists of the immediate family members of a service member during a time of conflict. Do you know how the to recognize a Blue Star family? A Blue Star family can display a Blue Star service flag. An interesting thing about it is the number of Blue Stars on the flag corresponds with the number of individuals who currently serve in the armed forces from that family. The, Bruce, the Blue Star family or the service flag was patented during World War I by an army captain by the name of Robert L. Kweiser, who at the time had two sons serving on the front line. The flag quickly became the unofficial symbol of a child in service. So we talk about the Gold Star family. Let's not forget about the Blue Star family. So the Gold Star, like I already said, is a family of a fallen service member. And to recognize the Gold Star family, the Gold Star family can display a Gold Star service flag for service members who were killed or died while serving in the armed forces from causes other than dishonorable. So it has to be an honorable death. The number of gold stars on the flag corresponds to the number of individuals who were killed or died. It was similar to the blue star. President Wilson authorized a suggestion made by the Women's Committee of the Council of National Defenses that mothers who had lost a child who served in the war could wear a traditional black mourning armband with a gold gilt star in 1918. That approval led to the tradition of a gold star covering the blue star on the service flag to show that the service member had passed. It's believed that Wilson coined the term gold star mother. This is our tradition, people. This is America. So as we live again in time with the greatest generation in American history. 
Let's honor these people and not forget what they have done so others may live. But it starts with us within. So whatever, whatever you're doing, you feel you're so busy. Remember to do something for other people. That's where it starts. That's where the joy comes. Because if you don't do stuff for other people, why even exist? The selfish, narcissistic mind state or mindset does not help anything. Be part of something bigger. Be part of something greater. Never give up on your journey to be better. Never quit on your journey to be better. So the question is, how do we have courage through life? Where do we find that inspiration? There's this poem called I Bend. I'll end with it. And I ask you to read it even after this episode is done. It's a poem by Selena Odom, known as I Bend. It goes like this. I bend, but do not break. I've been lost, but I'm not a loser. I'm a wreck, but I'm not totaled. I'm fractured, but I'm not broken. I've failed, but I'm not a failure. I've fallen hard, but can get up again. I'm isolated, but still I'm free. I've been destroyed, but will rebuild. My heart is broken, but it will mend. See, no matter how close I come to breaking, I just continue to bend. Thank you for listening. God bless those that have fought and continue to fight. And may we never forget September 11, 2001, the birth of the greatest generation ever to live. Booyah.